Welcome to the Wicked Pixelated spinoff show. What is this, a crossover episode? I'm Anudis, and joining me today is... Jonathan from the Monoreport. How's it going, guys? How's it... Thank you so much for having me on this show. Thank you for finding the time to be on this show. We've been trying to do this for like two weeks or so. Like a good two weeks now. Like, we were like, okay, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. Like Here we are. We've got it. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, right off the bat, uh, eight... We've been talking to each other for the first time ever for about nine minutes now. <laughs> and safe to say, I think it's hit off pretty well, actually. I think I think we, we're in for a really fun show here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, high energy, good, optimistic. So let's go ahead and jump into the show. Oh, I keep I keep forgetting this for the last two episodes. Uh, <laughs> if you want to be a part of the show, go ahead and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash wickedpixelated. You can find me on Twitter, at WickedPixelated, Instagram, Snapchat, all that jazz, WickedPixelated, everywhere. Uh, what about you, Jonathan? Where can uh, I find you? With the Mono Report, you can find me pretty much on every social media pl- platform you can find. Facebook, Twitter, just at the Mono Report. We've got a big, fun uh, community where we just discuss movies, pretty much anything in the realm of entertainment. But uh, we've got a good uh, film community there. And uh, on YouTube at the Monitor Reporting as well, where I post movie reviews and news stories just pretty much weekly, every day or so. I post up videos, but uh, we try to keep as big of a community as possible. And it's a lot of fun. So be sure to get into it. You're doing a good job at it, too. Your, your community is bigger than mine. So hope, hopefully I can get a couple crossovers in there with, with my peoples. Thank you. No, it's been a long haul. I've been kind of at it for over a year or so, and uh, some people haven't been happy. Like I, you pretty much. Uh, when I started, I was I was pimping it out hard, but you know what? We got a good community out of it, and um, it's yeah, it's been it's been a long haul. So I'm I'm glad we've got this big community now that we can sort of um, just discuss anything, and it's it's great. You know, it's awesome just seeing the same sort of faces come up and and talk, and it's like oh, it's great to you know hear from this person again and hear their thoughts. Um, yeah, like I know so- I've been in the group for maybe six months or so uh i've been yeah. sharing your stuff to my facebook group for a while so i know that's created some crossover with people seeing a lot of poster reveals or just like casting announcements anything that yeah. i find interesting and i share that's like cool to see that it's like coming from you and not really a site like ign or yahoo it's like hey do it from this guy's page like he's doing just support support your local facebook groups <laughs> Support your local groups, because I really, when I started up, I was sort of getting sick of the, um, the certain, the more I guess the click, like the clickbaity sites, which tried to drive you towards their sites. So, okay, we, if you want to see the brand new poster that this one movie that you're really looking forward to, um, that's just been released, come to our website and we're gonna like you know, bury it under all of this text just so you can get to it. I'm like, no, 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 I just want it directly to guys so that they can just see it, they can get the image they want, they can get the news story, the information that they need. It's right there in front of them. They don't have to go through all this stuff just to, you know, see one image, you know. It, was kind of, it felt like it was getting a bit out of control for me, so I went, no, 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 I'm just going to post these stories because originally I was just doing uh, video reviews and video stories, mm-hmm. but eventually I was like, no, I'm actually – 
thinking, you know, let's get into actually posting on the uh, on the actual Facebook page and Twitter Twitter pages and just get this information out to people. And people seem to really respond to it. You know, they're like, you know what? This is actually something we're actually interested in. We're kind of annoyed with, um, I guess, just how some other companies, I guess, had been, yeah, I guess sort of teasing them and just making them. Yeah, you uh, mentioned great. like with the clickbait stuff, like one of the things that was getting me was like the recent um, Infinity War poster with like yeah. all the characters on it. But most articles are like, you won't believe who's missing from the new Infinity War poster. And I'm like, I want to see the poster, but also, yeah, who's missing? I guess I'll click it. <laughs> yeah, that's it, right? You're like, oh, there's still that little piece in your brain. And I, I'll admit, I still do it as well. So I, <laughs> I still go through and I'm like, all right, I want to see what this person's got. And they're like, usually, you know, they're fairly well-constructed um, articles and everything. But I was just like, look, from my side, I was like, look, I just want to get this out to people. Just see it, read it, get the information, um, you know, straight from the get-go and, you know, I think I think for the most case that's worked. So I'm, I'm happy with where the, the page has uh, gone in over a year. So it's um, it's good. been great. Um, I'm going to start this episode differently than I have the last two. Usually the conversations in the last two have been kind of organic, and then like midway through I'm like, wait, I should probably actually get to know the host and like their personal <laughs> like reason for this. So um, yeah, like what got you? Like, do you have a movie background, like from college or anything? I do. I've basically been involved with the film industry for about six years. So, um, 2012 is when I sort of get started getting involved uh, with film school, and uh, at the same time, I was sort of volunteering with uh, the industry back home in Australia. I'm actually currently living in Vancouver in Canada. Um, so I've been here for about two years now, and basically been uh, pursuing bigger roles, bigger opportunities over here in uh, Vancouver. As you can probably guess, Australia is a bit of a smaller, like, tight-knit community. It's very um, it's very much on its own sort of scale, its own thing. And so if you really want to, like, expand, you kind of have to branch out and go to different places. So we'd have people going to L.A. or sometimes New York or uh, different parts of Canada, Toronto, etc., and so that's kind of where I where I am at the moment. So I kind of do the mono report on the side as sort of my part time thing while I'm also trying to pay the bills and trying to get <laughs> yeah <laughs> trying to get general to, life to, stuff <laughs> general life stuff while I um, while I work in the industry, which is um, I'm my trade is uh, a film editor. So I've been sort of working as an assistant editor and working my way to being a bigger uh, bigger editor. So um, it's that's been awesome. involved. With, yeah. So it's just. Um, and as well as being when I first got here, so, sort of new onto the scene and everything. So I first thing I did was really get onto the film sets here and just start working on the bigger scale film sets. Because back home, it's very much you've got a very smaller uh, indie community, whereas here you get like the massive uh, American TV shows, you know, Supergirl, uh, Arrow, The Flash, those types of big productions. So getting to that scale and just seeing the operation and everything in place, seeing the machine kind of move and realize, you know, how many people like firsthand, uh, work on these types of productions, uh, it's something that I just wanted to take into some of my videos as well. Just go, look, this is, you know, you're not, you might not realize how much work goes into these types of, uh, films, but when, uh, you look at the bigger picture and you see how many, like, thousands of people, hundreds of people will be on set at one time. And you can sort of go into those sort of uh, 
almost inside baseball type uh, details with the, the film production. So when a review does come out, it's like, oh, okay, well, this is kind of what happened behind the scenes and, you know, what they sort of needed to get this shot and how long it might have taken to get a particular shot. And uh, really I feel go- like behind the scene features are really, they're kind of moving by the wayside because everything's like all digital. So people just kind of want to watch the movie and like they don't, they don't want it. the special features. And I'm like, I still buy Blu-rays. Instead of buying them digitally, because I kind of like that behind-the-scenes stuff. I like seeing, like, the cast members, you know, goofing off and deleted scenes and, like, how se- how the set is set up. And it's just, like, you have no idea. Like, you just assume the buildings were actually buildings, and it's like, nope, buildings are CG, pants are CG. <laughs> like, what the hell? You would be surprised what isn't actually real on a film set. For the most part, they're usually quite real, but, uh, you know, a good portion of stuff is just uh, some dude in a giant green, almost like massive fish tank, basically. And it's yeah. just, you know, we've got these big green sides and you know, just just go with it. Just make it work. Uh, it'll be fine. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. It'll be all right. <laughs> a lot of movies that do that, like... Uh that like opening shot of like looking over the city kind of like from a helicopter perspective i was yeah. like oh that's cool they put a camera up to a helicopter and just film the city it's like no half the time that's just cg they're just like throwing some buildings and like <laughs> make it look pretty because cities never and, look that pretty there's always like a weird amount of lights off like... yeah you're like no i clear like we live um vancouver's often you know it's one of the most reflective cities in the world there's so much glass um on all of the skyscrapers it's like there's no way you could get like a normal shot without having some sort of CG put in just to avoid some of, like, the reflections that you get with, like, all of the glass, especially, like, when you've got, like, a show like The Flash where he's zooming through, uh, you know, this all, the whole city. Like, you know, you're not going to get, like, a perfect, uh, <laughs> you know, a perfect recreation of, um, you know, the city. You know, it's going to – it's 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 you've got to uh, use some trickery, some wizardry with that, you know. <laughs> so – you went from uh, you said you've been doing movies for like six years and stuff. You're working in editing, and yeah. the Mono Report has been around for just over a year. You said just over a year now. So it's um it's been it's a, it's been a slow burn, but it's it eventually sort of found its audience. I'm now glad we're sort of getting more involved, like getting involved with your community. It's been really fun being um just sort of expanding more now and getting into bigger audiences and seeing uh who's out there and especially as you know it's a it's a pretty competitive market now especially like um yeah especially like in, in the film like reviewer community there's a lot of people sort of like starting up and uh trying to find their own voice and get their own platform started up so trying to keep uh in the you know uh in everyone's uh sort of mindset and keep people thinking about you it's it's it can be tough it can be tough like each week you're like okay well you know someone else is going to have a review of the same movie so you're like okay well how how are you going to be able to stand out and be your own thing so um that's with mine i've sort of tried to be a bit more in depth and give a bit more information like give a bit more of the behind the scenes uh side of things to it Mm-hmm. um so i think yeah especially now when there's a lot of and it's awesome it's really awesome seeing so many new fresh creators sort of jumping on board and i'm always welcoming new people jump on board and just being able to share and promote guys when i can i always 
um, have a like a, a, an approved channels list on uh, the Mono Report YouTube site, as well as on uh, the Facebook page. I try and uh, show uh, you know which which websites, which uh, communities I. Uh, really respect and try and promote them uh, that way. So when people do look at the page, they go, oh, what's this site? And then they can just sort of dive right in, visit, become part of this bigger sort of network, uh, you know, part, different communities mm-hmm. sort of all coming to their, together. So uh, it's been it's been really fun to see just um, how sort of diverse it is and how many people are sort of really uh, coming uh, into the realisation that you don't need much to really start this type of thing up, you know, I'm, you know, getting by, I'm getting my, my rent due, my rent paid each month, you know, but I've got, I've got a camera that I can just stick in front of myself and I can just record a review for three minutes after, you know, seeing a film. Um, and you know, I can still get something up onto the internet and hopefully have people enjoy it. Right. So it's awesome. We live, we live in a good time. I think now we're just so many people have the opportunity now to really get onto the internet and have a chance to have their voice heard, which, you know, is something I think is pretty important. Yeah. This is like the easiest time to get anyone can start this basically. Like our phones are to the point where it's just like, you can just set up your phone with a rock, hit record and just post it. And people are trying to find their voice out there and like be different, but not be different for different sake. They still want to, I feel like you shouldn't be different for different sake. No, you can get of a lot of attention if Black Panther is getting crazy good reviews, and you're like, "How can I get people to find my channel?" And if you're just like write a scathing review, like, "Yo, Black Panther is really racist," people are gonna click yeah. your shit, but for the wrong reasons, you know. That's <laughs> it, and it's really some people are trying to find different ways to kind of manipulate it, I guess. And so you get, uh, I mean, it's it's a small minority of people that do it, but it's, I mean, it, it does it does happen. Um, yeah, I think there's um, there's a guy who po- he's uh, signed up with Rotten Tomatoes, and he's like the one guy who will write like the negative review of a film that like everyone loves, and he's got he's uh, garnered. I keep forgetting his name, but he's garnered this reputation now where everyone's expecting him to write that negative review, that one negative review, and like everyone, you know, f- film and everything, film is very subjective. Everyone's opinion is valid, but it's like some sometimes you can kind of tell the ones that are clearly doing it to. Uh, you know get the get the traffic get the get the um get that get that bit of attention <laughs> to kind of try and stand out that way and so sometimes you can have sort of uh more negative uh connotations behind it but for the most part everyone's on the same page and they're you know doing it because they love love movies or they love games and um they're trying to trying to get the best possible um narrative out of what they want to say about uh, a, a certain products right? right so um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to go ahead and, uh, we're going to go, we're going to be smooth sailing into different movie topics here. So amazing. <laughs> I want to ask you first and foremost, what are your top, <clears throat> see, that's the thing. Give me your top three movies. Top three movies. That's tough. Yeah. <laughs> but that's tough because I have like, uh, especially when it comes to like some franchises, I jump back and forth between say the first and second movie, which it happens. But I think my top three, if I had to, if I had to go now, would be probably number three would be um, uh, Terminator Two by James Cameron, <laughs> Never which seen was it. which was 
Oh, see, I grew up like a lot of these movies. I I grew up watching, so that they have that um, affinity. But Terminator Terminator Two was um, um, my da- one of my dad's favorite films. So I kind a lot of these films you they sort of brought down <laughs> through like family and just like oh come on son you've got to watch this or you know. So Terminator 2, like Terminator was the franchise me and my dad would like, we'd just, we're big Arnold Schwarzenegger fans, so yeah. we, we would, yeah, come on, get to, get to the chopper. <laughs> so we were like, come on, it's like nine o'clock, you know, it's a, a Friday night and there's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie on you and you're like, you know, eight, nine years old or something, and you're like, your dad's like, come on, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna watch this. It's, it's command. You've seen Commando a million times, but we're gonna watch this. You can't not watch. You know, Arnold like tear through like a million guys. It's, 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 it's too. <laughs> my only, my only exposure to Terminator is unfortunately the newest one that came out a few years ago, Genesis. Oh yeah, that is literally See? the only Terminator movie I've seen. I've never seen the original trilogy. Or that <laughs> Christian Bale one. I just started with Genesis, and I was just like, eh, "Why not? Five yeah. movies in. Let's start here." <laughs> I mean, sometimes that's the best way. You just gonna kind of throw yourself into something. You're like, you know what? Like it's uh, there's like there's some like sometimes like I've done I've done it with like TV shows sometimes. It's the worst way to do it, but sometimes you jump in. You've missed um you like the first season has you know like 20 episodes or something but everyone's really talking about the second season or something and you're like you just want to you just want to jump in and be a part of the conversation you're like oh is it really and you kind of look up online like is it really that bad if i skip season one there's like there's 20 episodes there they're all like an hour each so i really want to like go through like 20 hours worth of television just to get to like what everyone's talking about you're like okay so some sometimes i've like just jumped ahead and just like you know what Season two, season three will be fine. I'm just going to jump in and retroactively, I'll just, you know, when I find the time, I'll, I'll get back. I'll sort of go back, watch uh, season one again and catch up on what everyone's talking about. But um, that's like such a luxury with movies because I have that same thing with video games where there's like RPGs and stuff that are like 80, 100 hour plus games like Persona. Thank God. Yeah. I, thank God. I love Persona. <laughs> that game is freaking incredible. But for That's a lot of people, funny. that, like, intro is such a long sequence, and, like, it's essentially a six-hour tutorial. <laughs> but it's just like, <laughs> dude, the game yeah. is so good after ten hours. <laughs> like, I can't skip I think... to the ten-hour mark, man. <laughs> And I think that's a good example. It's like I remember playing um, Persona 4 for the like first time and just fell in love with Persona 4. I was like, I used to play. I I, I don't get to play as many video games now, but like when I was younger, I used to play games all the time. And like Persona 4, um, I hadn't played any of the previous Persona games or anything. I was like, oh, do I need to play any of the other? <laughs> there's like there's three Persona games prior to this, but you know they've they've spent you know. They're all their own for, self-contained story, so thankfully that, own, that helps it out. Thankfully that helps it out. So um, sometimes, it, like those situations, you're like, yeah, no, just jump into Persona Four. You're going to be completely fine. Um, same with Persona Five. Completely fine. It's own sort of standalone. I mean, there's like little nuggets. Like if you're a fan of uh, you know those games that you'll you'll probably pick up, but it's uh, you know for the most you, most part you're you're completely fine and. Um, uh, so yeah, when, when sequels get to be sort of standalone, um, which is kind of why going back to Terminator 2, why I like Terminator 2 is even though you don't need, um, even though you don't need to have seen the original Terminator, I mean, it helps if you've seen it, but 
it's very much its own standalone thing. They sort of um, uh, recap you on some of the events that happens in the original Terminator, and it's honestly, uh, it's honestly a remake of the original Terminator in a way. It, it plays out very similarly, so you get the same sort of story beats and uh, character motivations. It's just roles. Certain roles get reversed, where instead of uh, you know. Arnold being the bad guy in the original Terminator, he's now the good guy in Terminator 2, and uh, instead Sarah Connor starts to become the persona of the Terminator. So you get a lot of roles being reversed and changed up, and I mean, I, I'm a, like, I'm a big like James Cameron fan as well. Like, mm -hmm. I, I've I've heard I've heard all the you know the Avatar jokes and everything. So it's, it's, uh, we we get it. <laughs> we've heard we've heard all the Titanic jokes. We're we're, we're, we're aware. You're, but, you're uh, a James Cameron apologist. <laughs> apologist. Like, I know I it think... took him forever to make Avatar. Trust me, they're gonna be good. It's James Cameron. It's like it's been ten it's... years. It's. <laughs> Just give him a break. It's James Cameron. <laughs> just James Cameron. Like, just just trust in James Cameron. It'll be fine. I promise. I get it. It's been it's been ten years, but you know what? It's like I think uh, the the gap between Terminator and Terminator Two was like eight or nine years or something. So I'm like, you know what? It's it's gonna work out, okay? Like, the, the, it might not be um, Pocahontas again with blue people, but you know what? I I, I give him the benefit of the doubt, but. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, though, Terminator 2, just in terms of, like, action films for me, was just massive and just um, learning how you could sort of shape a story just with that sort of size and scale because it's a massive movie, especially when you get to, like, the extended editions and it's just it's a massive watch, but it's, like, riveting all the way through. And I think now the actual extended edition is now sort of like the definitive version that fans would recommend. They're like, no, no, no. Just watch the extended version. It's like half an hour longer. But that, but the good thing with like um, Terminator Two is it doesn't matter which version you watch. There's still both of them are good. So yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna have like. I mean, I'm admittedly someone who enjoyed like Batman versus Superman, but like I if you I'm monster. Gonna... You I'm a monster. monster. <laughs> I'm a monster. I'm a terrible person, but like, I'm I'm never gonna defend the uh, the theatrical cut of that that film. Like, if I if I'm I don't I haven't watched the theatrical cut of Batman vs Superman. I think since it came out. Like, since, so hold on. Since, the the director's cut of this movie legitimately added enough stuff to make this move like to make some of the scenes make more sense. You you actually defend that director's cut is the way to watch this movie? Absolutely. <laughs> I'll have to I, give it a second shot because I <laughs> I like Justice League. Did you? Yeah, I did enjoy it because it was seeing just the Justice League come together, and um, I'd enjoyed sort of the arc that Zack Snyder was taking his Superman on because you sort of see um, that I guess progression throughout, it. and I think yeah they sort of went a bit too heavy handed into the darks. You know, yeah. making Superman a bit too dark, making the entire film a bit too dark, and um, that's why I, I like mean, the latter half of it, where they're like cracking more jokes and seeing the teamwork and seeing just the Justice League. I'm like, the movie is directed by two different people. Like, it is, you can sense it just watching it. Very much so, and it's now we're sort of seeing more of the, you know, from Zack Snyder's point of view. He's been put, he's he's been trolling hard, but like it's fun. It's it's now fun, sort of seeing um, his behind the scenes uh, on his uh, Vero account. I think he's been posting um, behind the scenes uh, stills of from uh, 
from Justice League when he was shooting and sort of going teasing what might have happened if he's put like his uh, version of the film kept going on and I, I, I'm fine with the version I'm fine I, I, I mean I know people personally that um, have been petitioning this the so-called Snyder cut and I you know it might be if it ever happens it might be 10 years from now but you know <laughs> I mean I just I, I I mean I respect the people like they they you know at least it was, I was like I was at least you guys had a peaceful protest it wasn't you know <laughs> it wasn't you know vile of all the things to protest though <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like there are more me. important issues in the world but yeah sure get your Zack Snyder uh DVD. Get a Zack Snyder DVD. Get the extended cut, right? But it's like, yeah, I mean, if yeah, I mean, it'd be nice. I mean, I if it ever, if it ever, if it ever happened, if it ever materialized, I'd I'd, I'd watch it. I'd like to, you know, see what uh, Zack Snyder had planned for that final film. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, yeah, Ju- Justice League is yeah, and not that's a bad it. That's, movie. Not not a bad movie in my mind. It just a lot of troubled. Um, yeah, a lot of trouble behind the scenes, and we got the Justice. We got end of the day, we got a Justice League movie, and I think um, it could have turned out even worse. <laughs> if you know, if it yeah, if it went like yeah, BVS th- did not give me a good feeling. I was like, I, I don't like BVS. I just didn't. But I'll like I said, I'll give yeah. it a second shot. And the fact that Justice League still made it out, I was like, if this is any bit as bad as BVS, like this franchise is dead for at least a while like i can't imagine dc is gonna be like sorry that bombed we're still gonna make wonder woman 2 and aquaman and flash so i'm glad it was good it made way more money than it should have but it was a good movie so kudos to that um i still want to hit on some more uh topics here so go ahead and give me your uh, number two movie Number two, <laughs> yeah, we're getting slightly sidetracked, but we, we're we're on the track. We, we promise. That's, um, that's what the show's all about. It's just what the show's dating with an individual <laughs> of any medium about anything. That's the best. It's the best stuff. Um, number two for me is uh, Ridley Scott's uh, original Alien film. Um, in terms of just sheer like artistic uh, direction and just how um, you could sort of reshape the sci-fi landscape at the time where we, like we'd had, um, you know, Star Wars and like 2001, you know, 2001 was very, um, uh, it's, it was a, basically as a beginning for what Star Wars was going to bring to like the sci-fi yeah. genre. And then I think Alien kind of pushed that a little bit more where you got, people working at uh you know the blue collar level your average joes uh just being sort of uh dicked over by the man right so being dicked over by the larger corporations where they've been sent on this mission to reclaim uh you know the alien uh, i love that that 80s sci-fi aesthetic where in the 80s they're like this is what the future is gonna be like like they did that (laughs) whole game uh alien isolation yeah. Where it was like that aesthetic, that ship, that look of what a spaceship would look like in the future of the eighties. But for a full game, and I'm like, this ah such a good looking game. But sorry, <laughs> continue. No, no, well that's the thing. It's it's all like the design that like Ridley Scott went with, it just made it feel very real and 
Um, I mean, Ridley Scott's acknowledged uh, Star Wars having it like an influence on that and keeping everything a bit more um, realistic and grounded and having uh, instead of sort of the slick sci-fi that you got in like the early like the, in the fifties, where it was all you know slick uh, flying saucers and yeah. like <laughs> crazy robots, and it was everything is chrome. <laughs> Everything was chrome. Why was there so much chrome? That's what. I, <laughs> that's what I want to know. What was the obsession with chrome? Uh, but it was, and, and then you know, you had, of course, the design of the xenomorph that sort of was, you know, the ultimate uh, killing machine. You know, the ultimate, um, ultimate movie monster. Right? It was such a big design, and like uh, H.R. Geiger's work. Um, in designing the Xenomorph, and uh, just as well as um, uh, you know, the creation of Ellen Ripley, where you had, you know, now, um, you know, uh, like female female roles and female leads are so um, sort of at the forefront of what uh, films are trying to, um, uh, you know, make you know important and uh, yeah. put to the, yeah yeah, so, and you know, Ellen Ripley, you know, was very much I think at the at the front, as well as Sarah Connor in Terminator, you know, but those two... They, they were, were pioneers, and it's just like they they didn't even know it yet kind of thing. They like didn't know A lot of things it. now with, like, Wonder Woman. Well, like, yeah. when Wonder Woman first came out, they're like, hell yeah, powerful female role model, and it's just like, dude, like, Ellen Ripley did it, <laughs> fucking Sarah Connor did it, <laughs> Princess Leia like, did it. People gotta forget been... the most basic things. <laughs> That's it. They're like, oh, it's, it, this is like, there, there are people that have been trying to make, make this sort of happen for a while. And, you know, like Sigourney Weaver was massive in get, getting that going. And just, uh, for, you know, better part of like, you know, two decades, she was at the front of the, one of the biggest, uh, sci-fi horror franchises around. So it was massive. And, um, so and including, yeah, apart from that, I mean, it la- launched her career. She became, massive after that film she you know she got ghostbusters just everything sort of mm-hmm. went her way after that uh, and uh on the on the whole alien franchise thing what are uh, your thoughts on the uh the two or the two newer movies that have came out in the past uh years i'm not the biggest fan <laughs> i'm not the biggest fa- uh, yeah prometheus and um alien uh covenant um i i i, I still love ridley scott i you know i still enjoy yeah, he still his, directed uh, them right he didn't just produce them that's the thing he still directed them and i think i think he may have actually had a hand in uh, producing some of them as well i think his mm-hmm. production company actually had a had a hand in directing it but some elements i think it's yeah i think alien i so <laughs> gave my aliens confused uh alien covenant i think was um yeah, it was very much a uh, reaction to how people perceived Prometheus, right? Where pre- people saw Prometheus, they were expecting um, alien. More, more alien, and then he comes more out with alien. just like, fucking all the aliens. Fucking all the aliens, get rid of them. We don't want it. We want to try and tell a different story. But then you got to Covenant, and, you know, the marketing was very much, you know, this is going to be an alien film. We're going to go back to what um, Alien was. This is what you wanted when Prometheus was coming out. Uh, so this is what you can expect. And it ended up like you're trying, it ended up trying to uh, be half a Prometheus sequel as well as a, like an alien prequel at the same time. And 
the two different types of films just didn't quite work with each other. And at least with Prometheus, you can kind of get the idea that there was a narrative that Ridley Scott was trying to go for where it was trying to find, okay, who, if, um, you know, humanity was created by these engineers and, um, you know, humanity weren't all too impressed with, um, how the engineers turned out. And then now you've got David, the, the android who's not too impressed with his creators. So now he's trying to find um, all these answers about who humanity is and all these sorts of things. But at least you had sort of that um, core to uh, those series of movies where I was like, okay, well, we're going to follow David. We're going to find out more about the engineers. It's going to be more focused on that. Whereas um, you got the alien side of things that kind of tried to brush some of the Prometheus stuff to the side, which if you had been waiting, I mean, those, I think those, uh, Prometheus came out 2012, and I think... Yeah, well, sometime yeah. around there. Yeah, and Covenant, well, Covenant came out, so that was fi- five years you had to wait to find out what had happened. Oh, um, God, that is a five-year gap. <laughs> doesn't Five-year gap! It doesn't feel like it when you say it out loud, but I was like, yeah, I thought it was like a normal sequel, like, yeah, two, three <laughs> years later, here's the other one. <laughs> It's like, no, just a normal movie. Like, two, two years later, we we're, were caught up with... Um, Sorry, I have dogs. Uh, no, no, that's fine. I've got I've got people living upstairs, so I'm sure you've heard some people moving around or something. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> oh, we're going good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we... I, I, I guess, yeah, it was a bit of a slap into the face to the people who'd been waiting to find, waiting five years to find out what had happened to the to the characters in that film, but... Um, See, I'm, I'm immune to nostalgia yeah <laughs> which is why i'm excited for ready player one like people are already down on it like oh, it's just gonna be a bunch of 80s references mass behind a bad movie and that's kind of what yeah. reviews are saying but i'm like you know what i don't care about 80s references i'm gonna enjoy it either way so like for me yeah. my only experience with aliens is i'd seen the first one mm. and that was it <laughs> i haven't didn't see the the james cameron ones and i know i heard two is really good uh so that's it. when i went into yes. prometheus i was like I really love that actress. Uh, I love what's the actor's name now? Oh, um, uh, Fassbender, yeah, Michael, Michael, Michael Fassbender. I like him too, so I'm like, you know what? Let's do this. I thought Prometheus was fine. I think it had problems, but not being like such a hardcore Aliens fan or having that growing up like you did, yeah, it was just kind of like a. It could be better. So when I saw Covenant, I was like, this is a really good movie in comparison to the first, you know, three movies. Probably not. <laughs> But to me, it was great. And I did the well, same that... thing with Star Wars. <laughs> like, <laughs> I hadn't well, seen the original trilogy, and then yeah. I saw a marathon of him, followed by Force Awakens, and I'm like, Force Awakens is really good, because I wasn't attached <laughs> to the old ones. So that's that's really great, because it's like, at least, like, I mean, I, I've, like, I've, grown, I've grown up with these types of films, and like, um... Uh, we'll, we'll get to Star Wars in a sec. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, but that's I, I I always envy people who get the opportunity to sort of see these films like for the first time. It's like I mean I I, I yeah I like the original Star Wars trilogy I had on uh, VHS. Like they were they were kind of there from like like my birth almost. Like <laughs> I was like they were there. I was ready. So but it's like I anyone who gets the opportunity to see these big movies again i'm like I, honestly it's awesome like I, like good for you like you get to experience um some of these big like you know films that you know i mean of course film is subjective it's not going to work for everyone but you get to experience some films that 
some people consider some of the greatest of all time. And it's like, that, that's like, to me, that's just mm. awesome. I, I love, like, I love hearing, um, people seeing like, you know, a movie that I love for the first time and hearing their thoughts about it. So it's just, it's, yeah, you, you get, it's some really, you get some really fun stories that, from people that have like never experienced, um, you know, alien or something. And you're like, okay, well, what did you think? And like, Oh, I made, no, a, I loved it. In, it was in high school of my, maybe like freshman, sophomore year. We were talking about movies at lunch, and there was just a bunch of famous movies I hadn't seen to the point that I made a movie list of well <laughs> over 100 movies. I think I, like, added more movies than I ever actually saw. But on that list, like, as a kid in high school, I was like, I've never seen The Godfathers, Star Wars, Rockies, Die Hards. To this day, to this day, yeah. I still have not seen the original <laughs> Die Hard, the original Rockies. I saw the, oh, uh, got... I saw the first Rocky, never saw two or three, never seen Rambo. And yeah. like I've never seen Terminator except for Genesis. <laughs> like my my library, my catalog of movies is way more weird <laughs> and foreign and bad. Like I recently just bought a five DVD box set of Resident Evil, and I'm watching them right now. <laughs> Why? Because I hate myself. And I'm like, but that's great. It's like you've got your own. Like that's oh, that's that's so good though. You've got your own taste, and you can like you can like no 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 no. These the, I I love these movies. They're like I there are so many guilty pleasure films that mm-hmm. I love. Like I I like the like the new Tomb Raider came out this week, right? Mm-hmm. I I love it's it's not a good film, but the original Lara Croft Tomb Raider I love because it's just it's so not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. I like it's, it. It's, 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 to us, to us, it's not bad. It's not bad. But you know what? <laughs> I love, I love it. It's so ridiculous and over the top. I just, I, ah, uh, it's it's just such a perfect. Like it came out like just. Like at that turn of like the two thousands, um, where you like you had like those big nineties action films sort of start mm-hmm. to go to the wayside, and you started getting like more like yeah, uh, like your superhero films, and things were sort of a bit more realistic. But like, um, yeah, just uh, so like perfect. Like it wasn't quite nineties cheese, but like <laughs> you still had so much fun. Like even like you watch GoldenEye, like you like the old uh, Pierce Brosnan bond films and it's like you still got like like they're fun films but you still get like that 90s cheese and flavor to them it's just you've got to love them for what they are (laughs) it's for sure uh so moving on to the the final not the number one movie but one of the your favorite favorite movies favorite movies number one it's like again like i think it's i think it's important now to like, um, you know, these movies might not necessarily be the best of all time, just like some people, but like, and they like their fate, like their favorites for certain reasons. And that like, everyone's like favorite lists are going to be different. And like, that's, mm-hmm. you know, can, like, I, can again, I take a quick guess at what it is? Go for it. I'm going to say Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> I love Shaun of the Dead. I'm a massive massive edgar wright fan but, i knew uh, you would be because you told me you were in editing and i'm like oh then you must like edgar wright because I, I fucking love. love his editing and <laughs> uh scott pilgrim versus the world is my favorite movie like it is like i own it too many times on dvd and blu-ray just because of the different covers and <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love like scott pilgrim uh came out right when i was like at the end of my 
end of high school and like i i remember me and a buddy used to watch that like over and over we love scott pilgrim it was a it was a big movie for us we lo- like yeah Ed- edgar wright is um up there in terms of directors that just and anything that he puts out i'm there i'm there to watch it um you know hot like hot fuzz was another movie we just like watched over and over just like though like his all of his films just have like endless like you can watch them as many times as you want and you just you just don't get sick of them like and not only that but you also pick up on like more nuanced things that would totally go over your head the first maybe one or two viewings i had this with a baby driver like yeah. Baby Driver a lot, despite Kevin Spacey's shit. <laughs> That's, like... yeah, that was, oh, yeah, because I remember I did my review, uh, you know, when the movie came out, and then, yeah, you know, all the stuff happened with him. I'm like, oh, gosh, do I go back and just change some things? You can see <laughs> the chemistry between him and the actor. They really got along. Like, it was really amazing. Then you're like, oh, got... he was a little young, wasn't he? Yeah, it got along a little too well. <laughs> Especially some of the lines in Baby Driver, you just got, oh. No, yeah, that okay. one meme that was just a screen cap of him <laughs> saying, I like, like the balls oh, on this kid or something. Like, oh, no, that doesn't work now. Oh, no. <laughs> But, oh, but, um, yeah, no, my, my, my favorite film of, uh, all time is the original Star Wars, the, um, original, uh, New Hope, um, it's, it's cliche, it's, you know, you've, everyone, so many people have had it, but it's, for me, that was kind of the film that sort of got, got me started on, in my, uh, film career, that got me loving movies, mm-hmm. um, it's Now, let movie, me ask you, what, what got you... Uh, into Star Wars over something like Star Trek? Of a star, I think it was just uh, exposure because at the time, uh, you had kind of like the the next generation was sort of airing at the time um, when I was getting exposed to uh, Star Wars. So, um, yeah, next year, like when I was older, I got into next generation. I started getting into um, uh, Star Trek, but it was like, it was just that little bit older for me. Right. It was like, whereas Star Wars, you can kind of watch it. And for them, like for the most part, it's, it's pretty, pretty easy for like someone, you know, at a young age to kind of watch and, you know, it'd be completely fine. Your, your mind's not going to be warped, but like, like Star Trek was always like, it's, was a bit heavy, heavy-handed. Like, I mean, I, I love it now, but it's in terms of um, you know having all these like sci- heavy science fiction concepts being thrown at you. It's like, yeah, a kid's a kid's not gonna know what. Yeah, Picard- so Star Wars had a little bit more simplicity until the expanded universe and books and lore really got That's hold. It. But right there at the beginning, I, I could see what you mean. Like, it was just Star easier Wars- to grasp. Star Wars is just, yeah, end of the day, it's just, you know, a farm boy is off to rescue the princess from, you know, an evil wizard, right? It's like, <laughs> it's not the deepest, but it's, uh, you know, it transformed the lives of, um, you know, so many filmmakers and just inspired a lot of people. And it was just like, that was what I got given was, uh, you know, my dad giving me the, um, you know, the three VHS copies of the original uh, original trilogy, original original cuts. By the way, I actually didn't get exposed to the special editions till way way later. The altered uh, George Luke. I was lucky, like because as soon I think, uh, yeah, a few years later, Phantom Menace came out, and they're like, 
that was that was an experience but (laughs) (laughs) but you know it was like for a period i could just watch the original trilogy over and over and and that's i mean blasphemy for people that hear me say you know oh i prefer i like i i prefer the original star wars over uh empire strikes back which is blasphemy in the star wars community but in terms of like, I, I will openly admit that Empire is the better film. But in terms of like personal uh, attachment, I prefer the original Star Wars. So that's it's 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 more it's more of a personal attachment. It got me started. It got me interested in films. It got me wanting to make films uh, and be a part of the film industry and community. So that's that's why I have that attachment to Star Wars. It was just um, you know you just had. Um, and you know, just this simple story. Um, it expanded, you know, everyone's imagination of what they could do with films. And um, and then when you got older, you could read into you know the backstory of how Star Wars got made. And there's just a massive, yeah, you know, it's been well, well documented. But there's a massive, um, you know, behind the scenes story of how George Lucas got it funded and got it going, and all the all the issues he had with uh, getting Star Wars made. It's all fascinating. And, but it but, all culminated um, in, like, this phenomenon that no one would ever... Like, there are conventions just for Star Wars. Like, that's it. <laughs> I mean, that's like... I mean, I never got to be part of that generation that was there when Star Wars released. You know, I wasn't there in the theater and, you know, the original came out in 1977. But, you know, it's just... In terms of, like... A phenomenon of that scope, I don't think um, you really get really get an opportunity to see something like that happen again. I mean, we've we've gotten close. I think we've gotten close, but really, when you look at like um, like the big blockbusters, like it's really like uh, I mean, like Jaws, I think in particular really kickstarted it. But then Star Wars sort of solidified that whole, you know. Hollywood studios can make a lot of money out of making these big tentpole films. Yeah. So for be- for better or worse, I mean, not everyone's a big fan of the big blockbusters, but and it's you know it's been that way ever since. But I think in terms of the cultural touchstone, uh, that Star here's Wars a, was. Here's a good segue for you. This will this will yeah. be the topic that I want to talk to you about because it's it's been racking my brain for a little bit thinking about it. Um, <laughs> you've heard that like. Netflix has basically created this vacuum where it's like quantity over quality and a lot of people are saying like they've created this straight to DVD formula, but where people will actually get excited for it now. Whereas if this movie came out on DVD, no one would have seen it, but because Cloverfield Paradox was dropped like last minute and with one trailer and it ended up, it was a mediocre movie by review standard, but yeah, I agree. I watched this mediocre movie. Because of Netflix. So, yeah. like you said, with I, Star Wars and exposure and everything, like, is streaming good? and Or, like, how is it hurting movies that, that you might be seeing? It's very much a double-edged sword, bro. It, it is right? great. Like, it, like, it's great in that it's a lot easier now for independent filmmakers and, like, smaller filmmakers to get their work seen and... Uh, get things funded that wouldn't necessarily uh, be funded with a major studio now. It's really hard to get a, uh, something funded with a uh, studio backing. I mean, it always has been difficult, but like... But how, part- here's my question, though. How is studio yeah. backing a problem when you have uh, Bright? Like, it had Will Smith. It was directed by the guy that did Suicide Squad. 
it was <laughs> produced by Universal, and it's just like, why take that approach to streaming? Because, again, similar thing. Somewhat mediocre reviews, and maybe that movie would have bombed in a theater, but it might have been successful, so... That's the thing. It's really interesting. Like, I mean, it's, I mean, it's no, no question. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, audi- like audience attendance in itself, like people going to the theaters, even though like we're getting records, like, you know, uh, Avengers infinity war just last week, you know, broke, um, you know, the record for, uh, hero films, you know, the most, uh, most tickets sold like in presale, uh, in, you know, broke black Panthers, record in six hours and it's like uh, black panther's newest record that tied with avatar i saw that and it's crazy to wrap your head around um and it's like i mean like if when you think of like i mean like okay got like going to like um a titanic okay like for a long time that was the highest grossing film of all time that so black panther um was at the it's been five consecutive weeks now at the top of the box office. When Titanic came out, you like now we live in sort of this era where blockbusters are pretty much coming out every week. Um, like just this month, I think you know we've had. I mean, we had some like I mean like Death Death Wish, Red Sparrow. They weren't big, but you know they're bigger films. Um, but then you had you know Wrinkle in Time. You've had um, Tomb Raider. Pacific Rim is out this week, and Ready Player One. So you've got all these like blockbusters in such a small scale. Like when Titanic came out, um, you didn't really have that. Like you had um, Titanic was at I think the top of the box office for about thirteen consecutive weeks. Oh my which, god! Which I is crazy. <laughs> and so people are like, "What? How did Titanic make so much money?" It's like, That's why you you didn't have all these big blockbusters being released um, so close to each other, which is, like, uh, a lot of people are questioning now with um, Infinity War and Solo, like, whether Disney is sort of, like, shooting themselves in the foot a bit by releasing them so close to each other because it's like, oh, you've got this monster movie, Avengers Infinity War, coming out that's going to eat up the box office. You know, so many people are going to go and see it. But then you've also got Star Wars, which um, is your other monster franchise, um, coming out, you know, with with Solo, but I mean, I never, I, get, rea- I never realized how close the dates were to those movies because, like you said, it's Disney shooting themselves in the foot. I feel like you can have this movie get a bunch of people seeing it a second and a third time the following week, but if yeah. the following week Solo comes out, they'll be like, oh, I might as well just see this instead of seeing this a second time, and that's I feel like that's, that's definitely going to hurt Infinity War. Yeah, so that in that sense, like now it can start to make sense. Like, oh, maybe we should release a film on Netflix because we're getting so many big films being released um, in short in such a short period of time. Uh, you know, maybe we're better off you know releasing it on Netflix. We're going to get a bigger return than say like a good example was last year. Um, I think like the first week of July. We had the new Planet of the Apes movie come out, and I like I was really looking forward to it. I I really enjoyed it, and you know a lot of people there was a lot of big praise for it. It did really well, Rotten Tomatoes. But the week after, Spider Man Homecoming came out, and and granted, it's like Spider Man Homecoming was really good. Like I really enjoyed Spider Man Homecoming, um, but 
if people are going to go and see the new Spider-Man movie or like this sort of darker, depressing <laughs> Planet of the Apes movie, they're, they're going to go see Spider-Man. And the box office uh, for um, Planet of the Apes just took a massive hit because they'll release, you know, a week a week apart from each other, and it's like. It's just in this economy now, it's just not really feasible where you can have, um, like you, like now it's sort of, it's become sort of required, um, to have like at least like a two week gap between big films releasing, which is why I think when, uh, when Infinity War, uh, pulled their release by about a week, so they're, um, in late 4th to the 27th, right? Yeah, that's it. And so um, that meant because originally I think Rampage was meant to come out on um, like a, like it two comes weeks. out on four twenty. <laughs> it came out on four twenty, and it was like this is the perfect movie to go and see on four twenty. But then um, the studio Warner Brothers is like, uh, we got to get the hell away, the hell away from Avengers. You do not want to be near that thing. So they pulled it back by a week. So they've at least got like now two two weeks worth of um, potential sales because it's uh, you don't yeah. As soon as that Avengers movie, it's like when Star Wars comes out. When a Star Wars movie is released, everyone just kind of clears. Like when the Force Awakens came out, like everyone just sort of got the hell away, <laughs> hell away from that release date. You just want to like, you know what? This is, this movie's going to kill us. It's, we're not going to get a chance. Just let's, let's just, let's just make the best possible solution. Just like go for our own, like just try and make as much as we can here. Cause it's so, it's so competitive now with big blockbusters now where you just get we, so we have yeah. a similar vacuum in, in video games with, uh, the new red dead redemption getting yeah. released in November or so they say that that date's going to be moved. I guarantee it. Um, it's been pushed for a while. Right? <laughs> They've been pushing it for a little while. Haven't they? Like... Yeah. Well, no, they first <laughs> just gave it like a 2018. They didn't nail down a date. Then they said fall 2018. Then they had a concrete date. Once that concrete <laughs> date was there, like you could kind of s- see that games were moving out of the way. Um, yeah. Most importantly, call of duty, call of duty notoriously oh. releases in November. <laughs> and this is the first time that they've like bumped it up to October. They're like, let's get let's get ahead of this first. Oh wow! And wow. like you said, like Netflix and big Hollywood blockbusters is creating this market where you have your sixty dollar big budget video games like Call of Duty, like Titanfall or Red Dead Redemption that people are going to play, and it doesn't leave room for uh, third party games like THQ. THQ used yeah. to release tons of games, and they were just like, sometimes they were movie licensed, sometimes they were shitty platformers, but they're the games that essentially got like scored six or sevens. They weren't that great; yeah. they were extremely forgettable. But those few games latched onto, like, created a fan base for people, and that market doesn't exist anymore. Which is now you either see big sixty-dollar games, your Hollywood blockbuster, or straight up twenty-dollar indies that you know are releasing just digitally on PC or on you know, the marketplace. And that's kind of what Netflix is right now, where it's an accessible thing. And a lot of people are trying new things and seeing new movies that they would have never seen before because of it, which is good. It's good. It's great. And that's the thing. It's like, it it opens up, um, the doors to films that, you you just wouldn't really get the opportunity to see. It's like, um, you know, I mean, uh, like 
And Netflix, like they, they've like they've been going crazy with funding just kind of anything. And like for better for better or worse, like like um, you know people have agreed or disagreed on whether the quality the quality is matching up to the to the quantity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know that Netflix posted a tweet saying that they were going to be releasing seven hundred new TV shows and movies, like Netflix originals, this year. See, that's insane. I mean, it's just like it's like it's it's the law of averages, right? It's like not all of those are going to be good, exactly. Right? And I'm not sure if that's I'm not sure if that's taken into account episodes. So if it's like a show with eight episodes, it's like boom, that's eight originals right there. Or if it's taken like that that show with twenty episodes, that's one thing, and that's another show with twenty episodes, that's one thing. Yeah, I feel, way, seven, like, yeah. Like... <laughs> I feel like they took some creative liberties, maybe with the with the numbering, maybe. <laughs> But, but then you, uh, but then you have cool things because, and I'm slowly seeing it pop up here where um, one of my new favorite shows, and I highly recommend you check it out, dude. It's called yeah. Dark. Dark. I have been meaning to check oh that out. God. I've heard, what I've heard amazing Dark. things. It is fantastic. But like that's a a German, like it's shot by a German director, German actors, and it's a foreign show essentially. And I'm seeing a bunch of Japanese like k-pop dramas or whatever showing up and i'm like oh this is a netflix original like there's a netflix korea and a netflix japan and a netflix france they're creating original content and i'm like i don't know where you guys get this money to film the crews and the people and the shows off of eight dollars a month but whatever just keep doing what you're doing that's awesome you get so like all these like big like like just all these like little like smaller, smaller shows that can just like breathe a little bit and get a bit more exposure now with uh, with Netflix. It's just, but as before that, it was like okay, you know, you had to find a network and maybe you get picked up. And um, there's a whole long process about trying to get like a big you know TV show going on on a major network, but. You know, Netflix, it's like, well, as, as long, you know, if you're, you know, something we think, you know, there's an audience for, we'll give you a shot and we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll give it a go. And that's like, so having like that more middle ground, that, sort of that more, that reemergence now of sort of that middle ground, middle tier uh, level of films. And, and it, so in, sm- in a really short span of time, because uh, I saw this trailer earlier, but do you remember the movie Baby Mama? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, like, that movie, I love Amy Poehler and Tina Fey on SNL and stuff, but that yeah. movie, 100% forgettable. Like, I'm yeah. surprised you do remember it. Thank you for remembering it. <laughs> uh, but I saw a new trailer for a show called uh, Wine Country. Okay. It and it's uh, have, oh. Amy Poehler. It's her directorial debut, so she's going to be directing her first movie. And oh, it's cool. going to feature Tina Fey and... Uh, I think Rashida Jones. I don't know some other SNL cast members, but yeah. it's a, it's gonna be a Netflix movie, and I'm like that's perfect because just a few years ago when a movie like Baby Mama existed with like her writing and personality would bomb in theaters, but if it's just if you just turn on your TV and it's just like right there in the front, you're like oh hey it's that one girl oh it's a new movie just watch it and it's like well like we we're saying like it just creates people being exposed to things they normally wouldn't have been that's it it's just it's become sort of a way now just especially like with comedies in particular like comedy like comedies in the last few years have really taken like a bit a big hit especially like ones from like big uh studios like we're not we're not seeing 
anywhere near as much uh there's near anywhere near as many comedies being released from you know like from the days of like you know when seth rogan was really really big and uh, you know, those sorts of big, like, there was, like, there was a time where it felt like, you know, new, like, Everything Judd was, Apatow. like, from the creators of Superbad, or all the reviews yeah. were, like, it's Superbad meets Breakfast Club. <laughs> it's Superbad meets fucking zombies. From the producers of Knocked Up, it was, like, every everywhere you went, it was, like, you saw Seth Rogen's face or, like, someone, someone from that group of friends that were, like, yeah. putting out another movie. Um, whereas now they're, um, uh, like Seth Rogen's next comedy, uh, Game Over Man is a, uh, is a Netflix film. It comes out, I think it actually comes out this Friday, speaking of, but, um, that like, that like, it's purely a Netflix, uh, show, uh, a film. It's like, you're only going to be able to see it, um, in, on Netflix. So it's now in terms of like, just like, just comedies, it's, and just those sort of level films, it's. You know, trying to go through the old studio system and go for a big release when you're not that massive blockbuster now, it's just become so difficult. It's like, okay, well, let's just put it on Netflix. Like, unless you're something like, uh, the big, like, the big sick, which came out last year, which, uh, great movie, by the way. Great, like, original comedy that, um, went through, I had to go through Amazon and, like, Amazon, Amazon as well has sort of gone, Become a big player in the uh, in the streaming streaming world. Not not to, not to the not quite to the scale of Netflix, but um, they've been really great in bringing up like independent filmmakers, um, like with the Big Sick. And you know when you get sort of those uh, sort of voices being heard as well. So like okay, well you know we're not quite the big studios, but you know if you're great, if you're a good film, like people are gonna. Um, come back to you, and so they're like they're going for those types of voices where they think, oh, okay, you know, we've got a good original idea here that, um, like a studio like uh, Warner Brothers or Paramount or Disney might not necessarily go for, but hey, like where this Amazon's a bit smaller, they can experiment a bit more with these types of films, um, and you know, it worked out pretty, pretty, pretty well, I think. Like, you know, the, the big sick was in Oscar, Oscar conversations for a, for a, for a good while. So I, I, uh, I love that movie a lot. Uh, Camille Angiani, I've been following him for years. Like, he did a podcast How? called uh, the Indoor Kids with his wife, actually, and it's She's just so, so cool. Like, because they talk about their lives and how they met and everything, and then years later to see this movie based on how they met and everything, I'm like. These stories and how this is playing out is kind of how they talked about it four or five years ago on the podcast when I was listening to them. Yeah, it's crazy just seeing how some of these like stories just start from something so small and just they like you know just eventually you get to see them uh, you know brought to brought to the big big screen. It's just uh, it, it's so it's so great seeing guys like that just being able to like. You know, do do something that like yeah, mo- most most like production companies probably wouldn't give like wouldn't have wouldn't look at twice, right? They, they wouldn't really give them much of a chance. But you know, here you go, Amazon or and, and especially like Netflix as well, where they go, okay, let, let's give these guys a chance that we can we've got something here we think might actually be worth uh, sharing with people. And so, like in that way, you know, streaming's really helped. Um, bring you know put a spotlight on a lot of smaller smaller filmmakers now where it's yeah before it was okay you 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 had to you know get funded all yourself go through festivals and hope maybe someone from a studio or go and pitch it to a studio i think one of the coolest 
stories of this like sort of happening was uh I think it was South by Southwest last year. Is that mm. movie with Elijah Wood? Uh, has kind of a long title. It's like this isn't where I want to be right now or something like yes. that. Yes, I've, I've heard of. Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't think of the title top of my head, but I mean, okay, I'm, I'm looking it up because it's gonna. But um. Fill in the void with sound. Oh yeah, I. I don't feel at home. Uh, I just clicked it and it moved. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Okay, yeah. Well, so, uh, yeah. This movie. Uh, it was a super interesting thing where it was played at South by Southwest last year. And, yeah. again, small indie movie that would probably release in, like, super limited that no one would see. Netflix execs were there, and they're like, hey, we're going to pick this up for distribution. Is that cool? And they're like, sure. Signed a deal. And it was on Netflix, like, the week after yeah and i'm like that is so cool like south by southwest and all these like small festivals and indies and stuff like yeah you can find these movies on youtube online or whatever but they're creating this world where it's like now all these festivals and stuff where their movies would play have the chance to reach you know an audience because of netflix hulu might pick it up if they don't pick it up amazon might pick it up and it's just like hey this might not be good in theaters but we want it on our platform that's I think it. that's good. I think that's really good. It's awesome, especially cuz especially now it's, you know, going to the like going going to the movies is like like for a lot of people. I mean, I I I mean, I get I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. I get to see a lot of movies. But like <laughs> it's like for like for the average like person, like you know, going going to the movies. And I'm sure like it's the, I'm sure it's the same for like like buying games as well. It's like you know, buy, like buying games isn't cheap as well, like especially as long like if you've got like a steady income and everything it's fine, but like going especially like if you've got like a family or something, right? Where it's like you got to manage all these costs and everything. And like going to the movies, trying to get everyone together or you know, finding like a babysitter or something to look after your kids and then finding the time to go to the movie. Like, it's just, there's so many things now that sort of prevent people, like, um, from going to the movies, like, more than more than they'd like to. But now you've got Netflix where, you know, you can just stay at home. You don't have and to here's go the, here's out. Here's the game changer, too. What do you think yeah. about uh, MoviePass, like, coming in? I know it's, like, still being tested in certain areas, like, mainly, like, California. I usually hear about it on podcasts from there, but... Yeah, it's interesting. I think still, ve- I like, I, I I didn't get into it. I've been looking more into like Cinemere and that side because at the moment what, it what's seems that? Cinemere is sort of you. Uh, it's very it's very similar to Movie Pass. So you sign up, you get like a another card, and you can see movies on a basis. But um, Movie Pass is sort of more. Um, they've they've been having some very uh, I guess I guess shady, shady practices is from what I've heard is oh, wow. um, yes is in them sort of retracting on what types of uh, screenings you can go to where now it's more um, like before they they were a bit more open to um, uh, what you know what uh, types of screen like if it was a 3D movie or something or if it was at a particular theater you wanted to go to so mm-hmm. like you have like like the big uh, Dolby theaters. Um, we get like the big surround sound. It's real. It's really fun. Um, but uh, movie pass um, made like when they started out, it like seemed like that was what you were getting. Like you could go to any type of uh, you know any type of theater you wanted. Um, it, you know you had all these perks that seemed really great. But 
over time they sort of started retracting that and now it's very much like your you know standard 2d which like for most people is fine but you like you're not getting the benefit of going to those premium uh theaters that you might want it's like if you want to see avengers infinity war on the biggest screen possible it's like well you can't really do that with uh movie parts like you have like this is this is what you've got you've got um you know not only that but you also have like meddling with other companies because i'm sure like they'll eventually or possibly sign deals with like amc where it's like hey it works but only at your local amc theater and i live in bumfuck nowhere oklahoma yeah like if i have to go to an amc theater instead of like the one that's 10 minutes away now i gotta drive fucking 40 minutes away yeah so that's 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 a real like especially when it's like a film that you're really looking forward to and you like you want to experience it in the best way possible it's like well it's like I think at the moment Cinemira is sort of uh, offering offering that to people more than uh, movie passes, and I, honestly, it's um, it's it's still I'm still baffled as to how they haven't gone out of like business yet because it's like you're offering like you know it's like you know what ten ten dollars a month you get to see a movie you know once uh, once every day, but I like. It's crazy how they're making any money, if at all, <laughs> on on that practice, right? But um, but it's in terms of like the um, I think like the cuts that they're asking from certain theaters and everything, it's been a bit shady. It's kind of anti. I, at, at the moment, they're uh, they're being looked at for being sort of anti-consumerism and like uh, it, you know anti-competitive and all that sort of thing. So it's um at the moment, like I think like. If you if you signed up to it originally, I like you like it, it'd be still fine. Like you'd be able to enjoy it and everything. But I think like now that all this sort of information is coming to the forefront about what MoviePass is doing and what um, what you're actually getting with the service that you're paying for, it's like oh you know it's prob might not be worth it in the long run, especially if this company ends up going bankrupt in a few years or something it's like i've invested all this money and uh, okay it's gone so, whoops uh, whoops that's that that way i didn't see that coming uh, <laughs> so um yeah it's it's interesting times i think i mean we're in a period now where it's like 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 phys- physical media as as a whole is sort of declining and got like going to the movies is declining like i like i, I mean i'm as much as I like, I love collecting Blu-rays. I love like, like it's like I'm always a sucker for like, uh, like an awesome steel book. Because I'm like, all right, yeah, you've got me. Way. I'm like, you've got me. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna buy it anyway. You know me. Um, so, <laughs> so I still get sucked into that. But it's like now, it's like people so much on offer with Netflix and Amazon and even like uh, iTunes or something where they can just, you know, they can buy it and then they have it. They've got it in their library. They can just they have play it on it. their phone. They can pull it up anywhere on car rides, on plane rides. Yeah. Accessibility it's... is something that's definitely going to shape movies. And like we said, with streaming, it's still developing. This whole movie pass thing is still getting yeah. figured out. So it'll be interesting to see where, where we're at with movies and, and advancements in technology in the future. And advancements, exactly. Just yeah, it, it's interesting times because uh, yeah, especially if someone yeah loves collecting the Blu-rays. It's like okay, well you know, maybe maybe you know do you start progressing to that digital library? You know, start okay, well if as much. I mean, I'm glad that say like iTunes at least do some commentaries like they like they do yeah. include 
sometimes, but you, you go on, on Amazon, Amazon Prime if you buy a movie and watch it. It's not yeah. until the very end, after the credits and everything, that it starts auto-playing like what the bonus features would have been. Like behind <laughs> season, it's just like, all right, I don't want to watch this part, and I just got to keep fast-forwarding until it's like, ah, oh, this is the behind-the-scenes feature I don't want to see. Which it feels like, weird. really? You're going to put me through that? But, uh, you know what? It's give me the least... menu. Just give me the menu, and then I'll just watch it at my own <laughs> pace. That's it, right? Oh, so it's yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting times for yeah, physical media, and I'm sure it's the same with games as well. With like, yeah, how how many people are still buying, you know, physical physical copies of games that aren't just you know going yeah straight to digital, straight to their uh, you know their PS4 libraries or their Xbox One libraries. Or, games you know, have just... a lot more to fucking figure out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people people who claim to love certain developers and everything and it's just like that's cool but you always buy the game used at GameStop and it's like yeah. cool you saved four dollars <laughs> GameStop got all the money that developer is like struggling to keep the doors open because people don't buy games new so it's like yeah. I, I, I've i learned that now that I like watch the video game industry more that I just train myself I'm like from now on I'm not buying used games unless I 100% financially have to <laughs> But yeah, I, right. I, I find pleasure in buying new games because I know I'm supporting developers and stuff. And when you buy digitally, you can't buy you. So it's like I know that that money is helping this whoever the hell made this game. Yeah, and that's that ultimately you just want to be able to support you know someone you someone you enjoy some you know someone you, know, you love their products and um it's, it's just any way you can do it is you know best way to do it, especially when it's you know at the indie level you know. It's, you get a lot of um, you know indie filmmakers that go through it. I mean, like yeah, it's like like pirating that sort of stuff. It like I mean, it's it's it it doesn't necessarily do a whole ton of damage to you know Disney's you know the grand scheme of things <laughs> bank, bank bank account. You're not you're not exactly you know you're chipping into Disney's bank account by you know pirating. Not not that you should pirate, but um you know when you when you you're obviously going for like the independent films and stuff that's and that's when that's when it hurts them and you know you're like these are guys these are guys that have, pre- have pretty much um spent their entire savings into making this one product for you to enjoy. So you know you, it's just just to be able to help those guys out is you know it's it's the least you can do, right? It's like mm-hmm. look just give like- give them a shot. Yeah. Like we said earlier, support your local Facebook groups. Support your big Hollywood blockbusters. Exactly. It goes, it goes both ways. <laughs> Their relationship is the same. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, let's go ahead and uh, wrap this show up. This is a fucking solid like hour and 20 minutes. And this is an epic podcast. This has been awesome. <laughs> dude, I, like, I didn't want to butt in a lot because you're like – like just doing like a good job of like doing topics and like talking about shit that I'm like, I can listen <laughs> talk to you forever. So, <laughs> so I really hope you uh, come back on the show, visit us on the Wicked Pixelated podcast because uh, like there's some topics I still wanted to talk about like Marvel movies because there's a fuck ton. I feel like that should just be its own episode. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, we could go on for hours and hours. I love this. I would love to be back. This was this was great fun, man. <laughs> awesome. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'll get all uh, my stuff out of the way. Yeah, hey, perfect. If you're still listening, thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow me at facebook.com slash groups slash Wicked Pixelated where I post this episode. It uh, uploads on SoundCloud. Just look up Wicked Pixelated. 
and SoundCloud also means that we are on iTunes. See, I forgot to mention the iTunes in the beginning of the show. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so, iTunes, yeah, five-star, review it if you want. Uh, we are on all podcast apps. I am on Twitter. I am on Instagram. I am on Snapchat. I'm on MySpace if I could ever figure out my password from eighth grade. <laughs> and oh. that's all of my stuff. More importantly, let's get your stuff out there. All right. Well, yeah, thank you again, guys, for uh, listening. This has been a really fun, entertaining podcast. I'm really looking forward to doing another one of these. Um, you guys can uh, follow me on Facebook and Twitter at The Mono Report, where I post daily news stories, which you guys can become involved with the community and just get involved with the discussion. It's a lot of fun. And each week I'm posting uh, movie reviews or occasionally some uh, movie news stories on YouTube. So be sure to follow The Mono Report on uh, YouTube as well. Noise. Uh, that being said, that has been our show. This has been what is it? A crossover episode? <laughs> uh, I'm Anudis. That's Jonathan. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs>